0: Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series ALCS Game 2. Instant reaction, another win for the Rays, 4-2, to a 2-0 series lead over the Houston Astros. Danny Russell back on the pod today and Brett Phillips with a brand new microphone
1: on the podcast today. What's up, Brett? Isn't it great to hear my voice and not make it sound like it's coming through like a gum wrapper or something?
0: Now we actually know what you sound like and I'm glad because I'm sure you've got a lot of opinions after another really close nail biting victory four to two Nick Anderson gets the save in this one after giving up a run and loading the bases. Um, But at the end of the day, the Rays have a two nothing series lead. I will say this did feel like a stolen game. Uh, And I I don't want to use that like lightly, like it was a very great defensive performance from the Rays but it felt like the type of game that in hockey. I know we're all coming off a lightning Stanley Cup victory that your goalie stands on his head, makes 35 saves, and doesn't give up a goal, and and wins you the game one nothing. That's what today tonight felt like. Um, but with that being said, those wins are going to come on the way to a World Series. So hopefully, hopefully our stolen games out of the way, and we, we go on and just win these more comfortably.
1: The Rays got a lot of puck luck tonight. I guess is what yeah, you would say.
0: I would. I it would was a whole lot of it. that.
1: And they did, and the Astros got 10 hits. At the end of the day, the Astros got 10 hits, and they were done in by uh, the difference maker in the game was that just weird lobbed throw by Jose Altuve from short right that uh, Guriel was was unable to uh, corral. Um, Even that was kind of weird. I thought he would be able to handle that, but the weird sort of combo was – The
2: throws were shorter than Altuve is.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yarbrough
0: starting game three, breaking news. Oh, okay. So we'll talk yeah, about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, and Brett, on Altuve's throws, mm-hmm. I will say I've, there might be a difference between luck and karma when it comes to the Houston Astros <laughs> and, and bad luck this series. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about that inning. Um, so Rays got some base runners on in the first early on. Of course, Randy Rosarena gets it started with a base hit after uh, Meadows and low, get the first two outs of the inning. G-Man Troy then, ground ball into the shift, over to Jose Altuve. The throw is short by Altuve. Gurriel doesn't really give it the best attempt to to field it and make the catch and get the out. So Troy reaches first, runners on first and second. Manuel Margot does it again. Home run, uh, just a ball that just kept on carrying in San Diego. Third or fourth home run of the postseason. He's been on fire. It gave the Rays a a 3-0 lead in the first inning. And in a game like that, it was much Much
2: needed for
0: the race to get those runs
2: on the board early off of McCullers. Absolutely. Totally made the Astros pay for a mistake that they should not have made, first off. What a compelling difference. I mean, people are going to remember this game as the Manuel Margot game. And for very good reason, we're about to talk about the home run. But I I can't help but thinking about the goalie doing headstands. And for the Tampa Bay Rays tonight, that was G-Man Choi. And the polar opposite of Choi's performance, snagging the vast majority of very difficult plays coming at him, was Gurriel just whiffing on uh, Altuve's throws, not bailing him out at all, maybe because he doesn't have the same sort of splits capabilities as Choi. But uh, the Rays never should have been in a position to hit that home run. That –
1: that should have been an out yeah the tbs announcers turned off the graphic they were like about to go to the end of the like they turned everything off they were about to call for commercials and then it's like oh i'm sorry actually uh he's safe (laughs) oh what oh a home run oh and I love
2: them saying oh oh we lost her in the shadows it's like yeah oh oh my God. god every time oh
1: my goodness if you if you took a sip of like beer every single time they said in the shadows, you'd be done by the seventh inning. You'd be like Brett after game
0: five on our reaction podcast. I don't
1: remember (laughs) any of that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I keep the
0: scorebook to every game in pen and not once, but twice did I write four, three put out on my scorebook. And then later, you know, in pen kind of have to scratch
2: it out. Uh, I could not erase it. Um, But yeah, I guess that's, you just get out out a different color and you write the a for Altuve. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's what i, I need a
2: scarlet there. letter a if
0: you will yes yes um yeah i mean those moments jose altude kind of looked like he had, might have uh had the y word uh for mm. a little bit there and it was not yep.
1: you hate to see it that's what you mean
0: right yeah, you hate that's to see it. the y word right definitely um and then the race capitalized on it uh because and i'm glad they capitalized on it because lance mcculler's was pretty lights out after that. And but uh, we can't just pivot out.
2: around uh, Margot. I really want to talk about Lance well, McCullers, and Tampa yeah. native, who, who destroyed it. But let, let's bring it back to that moment, just really quick. Manuel Margot, have yourself a game. When the Rays are rolling out there, Margot and Renfro, the hope is their familiarity with Petco Park, which the Rays get to be the home team for this series again and back-to-back series you've got these Padres outfielders who are very comfortable living hitting their this is their home clubhouse you're just hoping that for the good vibes you're hoping for the familiarity you're hoping for that comfort level and tonight Margot (laughs) was intimately familiar with the stadium both by hitting that sucker out of this ballpark and by flipping over the railing
1: you talk about goalies doing headstands. I think Margot literally did a headstand on his way down after catching that ball in right field. Like he smacked <laughs> his head and his calf on the wall. It seemed like, but luckily he, he's okay. he was a
2: center fielder for the Padres. Mm-hmm. He is a right fielder. When you are in the same roster as Kevin Kiermeyer, and that is just fine. He goes out there to snag the fly ball, flips over the wall and drops what I assumed was a 13-foot drop into a sewer. <laughs> I think yeah, there what, might be a nuclear fallout shelter below Petco what, Park.
1: Why do they have cement lining the sides of the foul area in Petco Park? Because they what don't in expect the they like that to be about? made. You know I mean, how there will be uh, uh, they trenches
2: don't. Uh, next to highways for the rainwater to collect and <laughs> yeah. run through and create sure. a small creek? I assume that's what that's doing there. <laughs> yeah. Is a mo- Is there a moat around the field in Petco Park to keep the fans from uh, streaking like it's a, uh, or, or making out on the field or or like it's a fever pitch or something? Yeah, <laughs> like what? yeah. What's with the? Uh, are there crocodiles
0: down there? <laughs> what I'll say about Margot is like you know it's a good catch when you're more worried about that player's physical well-being. Uh, Than you are like celebrating that out. You know that he went all out to make that catch in the situation that it was in. The Astros had two runners in scoring position. There were two outs. And Charlie Morton got into a lot of trouble today, but he got out of a lot of it, but a huge part to his defense. And that catch right there in foul territory, creating an out out of nowhere, was, I mean, really a tipping point in this game so early on.
1: And, Brett, I guess, to be fair, every time Meyer makes a catch, I am also worried about his physical well-being. <laughs> That's for a different reason. That's a completely different uh, reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is a different reason. Um, but, yeah, Manuel Margot, like, you're looking at each of these postseason games, there seems to be a hero in each one. Uh, today, that hero was Manuel Margot um, for, you know, all the reasons that the Rays, the Rays brought him in um, this past offseason for that, in that Emilio Pagan trade, so – yeah, amazing stuff from Margot. Let's talk about Lance McCullers, and then we'll get into the Rays pitching staff and some of the other big moments from this game and some of the other defensive moments from this game. Um, Lance McCullers, final line. He goes seven innings, strikes out 11, uh, walks none. And uh, did he, I think he had the one earned run, or did, was the...
1: I, Zunino um, got Zunino got something off of him. Yeah.
2: Oh, dear listener, I wish you could have seen, Brett... Uh, Brett Rutherford here <laughs> hold up his pad, his where he <laughs> scores the game, and is staring at it sideways, trying to figure out what he had written.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 playoff handwriting right there. The hands are a little shaky. Um, but yeah, you know, my, let's let's, let's look colors. Yeah, incredible 11 strikeouts. Um, and that's back to back starts from Astros pitchers that mm-hmm. they've looked incredible. And they can't find a way to win the game. Smells a little bit like Jacob Degrom and the New York Mets, uh, if you ask me. But true I mean, though, how how much of a blow is that for Astros and to, for their two starters to go out there and you can't get a win for either of those guys.
1: At this point, it is pretty brutal. I mean, I I definitely – we were talking a little bit earlier, and it definitely feels like the Rays did sort of steal this game because, as we said, Astros got 10 hits. They were hitting the ball pretty hard hard off Charlie Morton. Morton was dancing in and out of trouble, it seemed like every time he was in there. But to have the Rays kind of make – shoot their shot when it mattered the most, to be able to capitalize on the Astros' mistakes is just – not only is that great for winning games, it just is such like a great feeling, you know? It's like, oh, they were able to capitalize, and we maybe wouldn't, had, didn't, shouldn't have been in this game, but here we are, and now we managed to steal two games away from the Astros in the first two games, and to, to be ahead of the series two nothing is, you know, w- with Glass now pitching in Game Four, it's it's, it's a great, great feat, and Ryan and Yarbrough pitching Game Three, I, I I'm happy where we are for sure.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Charlie Morton. Um, obviously very effective. Did not uh, kept the Rays in the game. Um, the fastball looked really good early on. Hitting 95 96 97 miles an hour it looked mm-hmm. like uh CFM was, was amped up and that really helped him and he, and he gave up a lot of hits um the Astros were, were on him they were getting runners on
2: base uh and he danced out of a lot of it so to get it, it, yeah it sure felt like enemies. every single inning uh there were two runners on yeah. I feel like two guys got on base they every were
1: frame. the first four innings they were two runners on in every inning for the Astros
2: but the I mean you talk about the fastball he definitely is blowing by some guys and I really appreciated seeing uh, you know, ninety-five down the middle just try and hit it and they don't. Uh, that takes a moxie. But really sharp curveball working tonight. The Brantley strikeout was incredibly important for him, and that came on the curveball. Uh, I felt like, you know, we we, we get nervous sometimes with Morton on the mount and rightfully so oh, look at the base runner uh count that we're already mm-hmm. trying to uh you know, tallying our brains and you is so many you're sitting here. saying, I don't know. I don't know how many base runners there were, but you've got KK patrolling the outfield and you've got Wendell at third base. And apparently that's all. Oh, but Willie Adamas at shortstop. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, we talked about Margot too. Just a defensive clinic from the Tampa Bay Rays. Apparently yeah. that's what we need to say, because I think Willie Adamas made an all-star play. In almost every single frame that Morton was out there for yeah. with the exception of the inning that ended on Brantley strikeout. I think all the other third outs were Willie Adamas doing something ridiculous. Well, mm-hmm. no, maybe in the first frame, I think it was the second out was the line out to Willie, right. just a very hard hit ball that he yep. grabbed out of the air. No problem.
1: Poor Bregman had got like five hard hit balls this game and has was 0 for five to show for it. Oof. Well, let,
0: let's talk about that next. And, and Danny, I, I, you bring up a great point because again, Willie Thomas incredible defensively and was overshadowed by Manuel Margot, Joey Wendell, and G-Man Troy. Like, we take for granted having a franchise shortstop sometimes, which is a good problem to have. Um, but the Astros have hit the ball really hard each of these first two games. And the Rays have a 2 nothing lead. How worried are you guys that, like, the BABIP luck might not be there as much for the rest of the series and there's going to need more offensive production from, from the lineup?
2: I can't draw any conclusions about – luck in two games of hitting and i can't project what the next two games are going to look like Mm -hmm. uh it's it's a weird time to be playing baseball we don't know the stadium the air quality changes you know they like to call it the marine layer but how the air is operating completely Mm -hmm. impacts what's happening with the ball the rays have played in this stadium in games where it's like 65 out and with this game i think it was like first pitch it was 87 degrees Like, who knows how that impacts the air? I mean, I bet there's a lot of people who know who live in San Diego, but I'm not used to seeing baseball played in this stadium.
1: Yeah. And so there's
2: so many question marks.
1: And, Brett, I'm, I'm, you know, concerned on, like, a cosmic scale, generally, about being up 2-0 in a series. Like, anytime I feel like anything's going well for me, I'm always worried that it's about to go very badly. But, no, I don't think that just because the Astros were smoking balls this game, uh necessarily implies that they're going to be smoking balls against tyler Glasnow and even ryan Yarber, who as we remember gives up uh some of the few, the lowest exit velocity in a, as a starting pitcher in major league baseball and you know and that said too there's something to be said about positioning right like a couple of times you know bregman and i think uh, korea had one too where the ball was seemed like it was roped but it was roped right at brandon Lau, who was shaded up the middle uh ball easily would have been uh uh base hit if the Rays hadn't stationed him in the perfect spot. So there's something to be said about positioning and shift when it comes to that too. Um, So, yeah, like I said, I'm not too worried about it at this point.
0: Yeah. And if, if there is a plan to try to curtail hard contact from the Houston Astros, it's starting Ryan Yarbrough in game three, which is what the Rays are doing in the last round when Yarbrough was scheduled to pitch, they used an opener in front of him. I think we were all kind of expecting that to be the case again today. Tyler Glass now has already been announced as the game four starter, um, but Yarbrough's going to get the start. Uh, Pete Fairbanks probably not available tomorrow unless it's like dire straits. Yeah, he had 20 pitches tonight.
2: Uh, Nick Anderson looked weird tonight.
1: Yeah, I hope he's not available tomorrow. I'd like to see him get some rest. He didn't pitch a whole lot, but he just was not sharp in the slightest. Also Again, benef- benefited from a from a great double play ball right at Brandon Lau, uh, who made the double play. Otherwise, that, that inning could have gotten really out of control.
0: Also, though, I will say about Fairbanks and Anderson, we might want them to be unavailable, but if there's a situation where you can win game three and take a 3-0 lead, you have, to, you have to treat it that way where you're going to go all out for that win uh, because you don't want to let the Astros creep back into the series. So you've got Diego Castillo, who's ready to go. John Curtis, who warmed up today, didn't go in. Jose Alvarado, though. Also, we have not seen him yet. Big question mark. uh, You know, He could factor into tomorrow's game as well. Would love to see him coming in after Ryan Yarbrough. Imagine going from Ryan Yarbrough's 90-mile-an-hour fastball to Jose Alvarado's 101-mile-an-hour fastball. (laughs) That would be awesome to see.
2: Um, Again, just another guy in in the stable. Um, But But I love that we haven't seen Alvarado yet. Uh, McClanahan has not come in in this series either. Uh, One of the things that I like that Cash does is he – tends to like double up his relievers in back-to-back games. And so yeah. it's like, you saw Aaron loop. Guess what? You saw Aaron loop again. You know, you saw Ryan he Tons- did much better. Guess who's back. And uh, I like that because it adds this element of mystery around the other guys in the bullpen who are not making appearances, right? This legend has not uh, mm-hmm. come out yet. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to come out to play, it'd be really interesting. Uh, but uh, speaking of Yarbrough, I mean, Brett uh, nailed it already. The exit velocity, uh, he averaged 82.6 miles an hour on his exit velocity. That's best in baseball. Yeah, I mean, literally top 1% of pitchers in baseball. That's incredibly low. His hard hit percentage is uh, 25% of hits or hard hits. 25%, one in four. That sounds not great. Guess what? That's top 2%. That's an incredibly low number. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than what
0: has happened in the last two games where it seems like every ball has been hit hard by the by this Astros lineup. So, yeah, I mean, y- you can't draw conclusions off two games, like Danny said. Um, but if you were to think that the Astros are jumping on everything, if they're going to put balls in play, you'd rather it be off of Ryan Yarbrough, who just doesn't give up that hard contact. Again, I don't expect him to get more than two times through the order tomorrow, whether that be four or five innings. Um, but, I mean, yeah, great really awesome that you can turn to a guy like ryan Yarbrough in this situation and then yeah give it to uh, tyler glass now for the sweep in game four uh that w- that would be uh that would be ideal let's talk about uh, mike zanino though again some more incredible defense today runs into one at the plate huge home run 454 feet 111 miles an hour off the bat 32 degree um, launch angle which is rocket. which is high <laughs>
1: that's a good launch angle that is
2: that is remarkable
0: <laughs> like imagine yeah. if yandy diaz hit balls with a 32 degree launch angle with how hard he hits it. those that's balls literally wouldn't land. they
2: would be circling the moon <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but mike zina yeah. like he has in both game one and game two come up with huge hits and huge moments mm-hmm. and played really good defensive baseball behind the plate If if you ever were wondering why Mike Zinnia was brought back as the catcher, uh, the Rays have a lot of trust in this guy, and for good reason. And he is a key part in this team this season and, and, and probably next year, too.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see Mike Zanino run into a couple of, of of strong hits in the past few games. I mean, not even yesterday where he got that ball barely through the left side of the infield through the shift. I mean, that's that's great. That that's sweet, sweet luck. Uh, but I love to see Mike Zanino hit these you know 111 mile an hour exit velocity fastballs. These home runs that hit. Four feet shorter than Giancarlo Stanton's monster home run in the Yankees game, which, by the way, the TBS announcers immediately stopped talking about after Zunun hit his home run. They got like they showed it on replay <laughs> once, and I was like, "Well, I guess that's it." Whereas we said, "Think we saw." You're not almost, bothered. You're not. Yeah, bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not triggered. It's Stanton for. Three innings we talked about that home run, and yet Zunino hits one almost as good, and it's just immediately gone. So I'm glad to see Zunino ke- get uh, you know the bat on the ball for sure because when he does, he does have all that kind of power built into his body, and I'm, it's, it's great to see it.
2: Can we revisit Nick Anderson's outing? No. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah,
2: I mean <laughs> so but when we started this podcast, I was grateful that we like to start at the beginning because uh, I came in here still feeling it.
0: Oh, I'm still feeling it right now even after all the great stuff that we've talked about. (laughs) But Nick Anderson, a guy that's been used a lot this postseason, used probably more than he has been in his career, which is to come with the territory. It's postseason baseball. The Rays are competing for a World Series. And Nick Anderson comes out there tonight and just doesn't look like himself. Uh, Ends up uh, walking a few guys, giving up a couple hard hits, and loads the bases in a two-run game. And one of those runs was his. Ultimately gets out of it and that's all that matters. Um, but I think it's a case of this guy just needs a day off and I, I hope he gets it. And I hope they're not in a situation where they feel the need to use him again tomorrow in game three.
2: We like to talk about tone setting with the first batter that you face. Josh Reddick first pitch. It's a fastball. It's not in the zone. It's above the zone. And he singles. And I wonder what that does to Nick Anderson thinking like, where is my zone tonight? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that one pitch dictates... A pitcher's entire outing but Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see that even after the double play ball that scored one run you have jose altuve walk on four pitches uh four pitches michael brantley walks on four pitches reloading the bases uh and i the whole time i'm sitting here being like how does how does how does this outing go different if josh reddick doesn't start with the first pitch single on a pitch outside the zone i don't know that was the moment that stuck in my brain and the double play ball like hard hit right up the middle like if if we're not positioned Perfectly
0: in that situation. I mean, the Astros are back in that ballgame. It probably ends up tied. If not, they take the lead in, in that ninth inning. After the double play ball, I thought, you know, Altuve is going to strike out on three pitches. Anderson, you know, whatever w- was was wrong mentally there was going to be gone with the double play, get the next out, end the game. Yeah. Ultimately, he closed the game. He got a save. He keeps being called the closer, even though, like, yeah. that's just not how he's been used. That's, that's just how TBS
2: speaks. Um, I like to float I, uh, float around the broadcast a little Well,
0: bit. I, I do want to say, if you want uh, some really great uh, national coverage, friend of the pod, Dan Shulman's been doing a great job over on ESPN Radio. I like
2: and, giving him like three, uh, three innings of the game. I like flipping over to Ray's radio for the end of the game. I love that too.
1: I love how Dan Shulman's friend of the pod now too. Oh, that yeah. rules. Friend <laughs> of the pod. I, I do kind of want to back up a little bit on Nick Anderson too, because I, I think what was really driving the the stake into his heart today was just his lack of control. Again, we have two 4-0 four uh, four-pitch walks sort of at, towards the end of the game that really made things stressful, but I think it's important to know that we, Nick Anderson was giving up hits, but he wasn't not many of those balls were all that hard hit. Sprinter's ground ball, uh, double play ground ball, was again, hit right to Brandon Lau. It was more of a, of a positional thing than anything, but the exit velocity on that was 87 miles an hour which you know is okay and not that not that strong but it's all right. Um Alex Bregman's you know uh, his lineout was 98 miles an hour exit velocity you know also pretty hard hit but it hit enough up in the air that Kiermaier was able to to handle it and corral it. Anderson for the most part was getting balls I, like with the launch angle pretty relatively low. I'm seeing 8 here, I'm seeing 6 here. You know 14 was a pretty good one but the, these these in in a vacuum the expected batting average on these uh balls they're like 200 400 you know 270 he you know what the benefit of it it, it wasn't that
2: nick anderson looked bad there's two things one 18 pitches only eight for strikes we're not used to seeing him not get strikes called or whiffs right so that was issue number one but very small sample size just a little bit of wonkiness there i think the real thing is that just nick anderson looked like a normal pitcher a normal high leverage pitcher, a normal closer.
1: Nick, I would mean, think back to the days of Alex Colomay, right? This was an Alex Colomay close. Brad Boxer. This was this was such a Brad Boxberger Colomay close. Nick Anderson looked wild, and we have not been seeing that from Nick Anderson looking wild at all since this this uh, since this regular season started.
2: Anderson, eighteen pitches tonight. Fairbanks got two innings. Uh, the first inning was nine pitches. The second inning was eleven. And mm-hmm. uh, so 20 total. Is he going to be available tomorrow? Is Anderson going to be available tomorrow? Is Castillo going to be available? It's all going to come down to warming up, uh, giving cash the thumbs up or thumbs down, as, as he likes to say. He walks around and all the pitchers kind of give him thumbs up. And Neil Solon has praised the Rays coaching staff and players for developing a rapport and the ability to communicate truthfully and honestly about the condition that they're in. Because during the playoffs, think about Tyler Glasnow, and the commentary around him. He wants to pitch every day. Well, he can't, right? He needs mm-hmm. to pitch basically every five days except for the remarkable circumstance of Game 5 ALDS. And
0: hopefully we don't have to see that again.
2: And hopefully we don't. Uh, but even if guys want to throw every day, they have to be honest about the position that they're in. Today – Fairbanks and Anderson clearly were good to go. Luke felt like he was good to go. He gave those thumbs up and we just need to trust the players and the coaching staff to figure out who's going to be available tomorrow and trust them not to tell the Astros.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 you know, you get a guy like Curtis back and that he's a huge part of the bullpen and he did not go today. So you assume he's going to be ready tomorrow. Jose Alvarado, we mentioned him Shane McClanahan, Still a number of guys, and the expanded roster has definitely helped that. Um, But a a number of guys you can turn to tomorrow and comfortably deploy your pitching staff again in Game 3. As the series goes later, hopefully it doesn't go much later, uh, it's going to get really tricky with it being seven days in a row. But the way the Rays have pitched these first two games, you're not worried about the bullpen management yet. Uh, Which, again, I think Danny said it last night. The Rays are blessed to be in that situation. Mm. And uh, they're blessed to have a guy that's as good as Nick Anderson, we're even on his worst days, he still uh he still gets out of it and the Rays win. So any final thoughts on the game, gentlemen?
1: Just when Aaron Loop is your worst option in your bullpen, you have a pretty good bullpen.
0: Well, actually we get we gotta talk let's talk about that. Do we so we wanna talk about this? Yeah, so Maybe. let's go. <laughs>
1: So Let's I know go.
0: I know Ian Malinowski's listening, and he's probably cringing when you just said that, Brett. So last night
1: <laughs> uh, I say a lot he, of things that make him cringe, honestly.
0: Yeah, we all do. Uh, me, Danny, and Jamal were on here, and, and Aaron Loop was coming off of a pretty bad performance in Game One. He hit the first batter. He gave up a hit to Kyle Tucker. The, the two lefties in the lineup, he let them both on base, um, and, and ultimately it wasn't. It just wasn't his his best outing. Aaron Loop has been a really good pitcher for the Rays in 2020. He came up today, got a couple outs today, Did let Kyle Tucker get a hit again. Um, but in these instant reaction podcasts, like I think we can be both overly, um, we can overly praise players for moments in games, and then we can be overly critical. And that's kind of the point of the instant reaction podcast um, because the emotions are, are running so high, especially in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aaron Loop, I, I don't want to be overly critical on a guy like Aaron Loop that played, pitched in some very meaningful innings in the regular season. And Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder obviously trust him to continue pitching in meaningful innings in the postseason. today, much better job. Got a couple outs. So I want to end the podcast praising Aaron loop after the way we, we talked about him last night.
2: Fair enough. I I want to, I want to end the podcast giving a little bit of praise to uh, uh, the two, three in the lineup, Brandon Lau. I mean, the results are still not what you expect from the regular season MVP, if you will. Uh, he had four plate appearances. He struck out twice. No hits, no walks. Uh, yikes, is what it kind of feels like. But uh, And he's hitting 125 in the postseason, I think, at this point. But I felt if like that... he was getting good at bats. I felt yeah. like they were quality appearances. And I said yesterday I felt like Lau was due for a breakout. It hasn't happened yet. But I didn't feel bad about his night. Uh, I felt great about Randy Rosarena's night another two what hit changes. performance he scored one of the Rays' runs he only struck out once uh his OPS is uh 1.125 <laughs> so <laughs> Brandon Lau's average in the post is 125 <laughs> Reyna's OPS is 1.125 uh amazing contrast there uh, uh I'm I have good vibes for both and I'm, I'm hoping for good things tomorrow night
1: And I'd like to end the podcast talking about that great little connection between Joey Wendell and G-Man Choi. Wendell was knocking down almost everything he was seeing at third base. He was keeping it in front of him. He was making some great dives. And then if he was coming up and making sort of like not the best throws that we'd like to see from a third baseman or or from Joey Wendell or what we expect, we've got G-Man Choi the cat. With his yeah. cat like reflexes doing the splits, grabbing balls in the dirt, making great stops. He wasn't able to come up with the ball in the ninth inning, but other than that, that's a small blemish on a fantastic performance between those two tonight defensively. I know G Man Troy, you know, best athlete on the race. Let's end the podcast there. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, uh, breaking tea, I think they've got a new assignment. Kevin Cash says he wants uh, Manny Margot's catch in foul territory to be turned into a t shirt. So. All eyes on you breaking Tea. They've done some great stuff already, but that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the D-Rays Bay playoff podcast series, ALCS game two instant reaction, man. It feels good to have a two nothing lead in the ALCS over those Houston Astros. So thank you to Danny. Thank you to Brett. We'll be back tomorrow. If you want these episodes downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. And as always, make sure to head on over to d to check out all the great coverage from this 2020 postseason run. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Game three, bring the coffee.